All right, grab a seat. Grab a seat. You ready to jump into God's Word? Cool. So take your Bible, give you a head start here, and open up to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, um, if you have one of those uh, church Bibles, page 838. 838 in the church Bibles. We'll be in Ephesians 4, starting in 29, chapter, or verse 29 in, in just a minute. Have some prime rib for you tonight, some really good stuff. I'm excited to, to share with you as we finish up our, our One Another series. So um, last week, as we said, uh, was our first week in the new location here, and so we're excited about it. Hopefully some people are still finding it, and uh, we have, we're going to get rid of these lights, put some new ones in, kind of spruce this place up a little bit as we go along. And so uh, we're excited about that. Um, I, I do want to um, just bring to your attention a couple things. Both involve food, so listen up, right? Uh, tomorrow, Memorial Day, um, we're having a little party at my house, so if you uh, have nowhere else to go, um, please come to our place and uh, have some people coming, and, and it'll be a good time. We'll grill some kind of meat. My wife is figuring that out. And uh, if you want to bring a side dish or something, uh, definitely do that, and uh, we'll be doing that at 4 o'clock, so... If you uh, are interested, uh, come talk to me afterwards. We'll hook it up and make sure that you know how to get there, all right? The other thing, also involving food and probably a lot more food, is next week, so a week from today, we're not going to be here at 6 p.m. We'll be back to regular 6 p.m. the following week. But from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., we'll be at the park. So if you take uh, the ride out of the doors on your way out here and just go straight, 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 about a block, block and a half, you'll be at the park there, and we'll be in right field of the baseball field there from 11 to 2. So bring a chair um, or a blanket or something and uh, maybe a park game if you're into that. And we'll have some Frisbee and some softball and games and whatnot for the kids and adults alike. And so uh, love to have you there. But if you show up here at 6 p.m., you're preaching, okay? So just so you know. And to yourself. So that'll be good. But uh, why don't we pray and we'll get into God's Word. I'm really excited uh, about this tonight. So why don't we pray and ask Him to bless. God, we ask that you would just uh, bless what we're touch, touching tonight in your word. And, and God, I uh, pray that everything that is said is of your power um, and, and not of man's power, because my power produces really not much of anything, but uh, by your power you want to move in hearts. And so God, I pray that you would do that. And I pray that you would illuminate your scriptures in a way that really penetrates our hearts uh, to the core. Lord, I, I thank you for Memorial Day and this weekend and what it really means uh, that we get to remember those who gave their life so that we have the freedom to do what we're doing right now, open your word together to worship you. And um, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for our, our freedom. Uh, but more importantly today, as we look at uh, the freedom that you give us and you want us to maintain, God, I ask that you would uh, really just just help us to realize we're free and, and to remain free. So, uh, Lord, I give that to you tonight. And um, For those who are away, Lord, give them good travel, give them refreshing, and uh, Lord, we pray that you bring them back for the picnic again next week. And uh, this is your time. We commit it to you. In the name of um, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, um, not long ago, I was watching one of those TV magazine shows, you know, where they have different segments for an hour on different topics, and the topic for this TV magazine show was uh, reality TV and how it has changed the television culture. And so what they were doing is just kind of talking through uh, just different components of reality television and things that make reality te television 
reality television as we know it. And uh, a couple of things I'll just point out. One was, was the fact that they like to get a diverse group of people together and just let them go at it, you know. And then the other thing is uh, very common to reality television is alcohol. Lots and lots of alcohol, open bars. And, and so if you, if you think about it, um, if, if you get a diverse group of people together in one location, you get drama, right? You get conflict, you get drama. But if you get a diverse group of people together in one location and you throw a lot of alcohol in the mix, what do you get? Entertainment, right? I mean, that's what they call it. They call it entertainment. And, and I was thinking about that. How about the church, though? I mean, God calls us to be uh, uh, people who are different in age and ethnicity and, and things that we're, we like, the way that we're wired. And, and, and he calls us to come together and to do the faith together, do this thing together. Let me just say it for a third time because I like this illustration, and it's the last time I get to say it because this is our last one another. But it's, it's kind of like a baseball team, right? It's like if, 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 if you're going to say that you're a baseball player, but you don't like playing on a team, you just like to be in your yard and throw the ball in the air and catch it, you're not playing baseball because baseball is a team sport. Likewise, the Christian faith is a team sport, and so we do this thing together. And so God says, I want you to be a diverse group of people together in, in unity. And, and the difference between us and the diversity of, say, a reality TV show is that while they have uh, uh, alcohol working against them, we have this thing that we call the Holy Spirit working for us. And, and the Bible actually compares these two. You know this verse, Ephesians 5, 18. It says, uh, do not get drunk with wine, for that is uh, debauchery, but be filled with the uh, Spirit. So it kind of puts these two a little bit at, at odds. And, and what the Scripture teaches is that when you become a Christian, God's Holy Spirit takes up residence in your heart. And so now we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's why uh, at the crucifixion, the the curtain at the Holy of Holies was, was ripped in two, right? Symbolically saying the Holy Spirit doesn't reside there. The Holy Spirit resides in you, the church, in your hearts. And that's why uh, passages like Ephesians 4 and Philippians 2 say that we are one body sharing one spirit. And so we have this crazy thing that we call the unity of the, the Holy Spirit, enabling us to be diverse and maybe people who otherwise wouldn't come together, but we come together and say, hey, I want to do this Christian faith thing with you and be unified in that. So you can turn on the TV any day of the week. You can see a diverse group of people, and you can see them uh, oftentimes loaded with some alcohol and just bickering like a bunch of junior high girls at a Justin Bieber concert, right? Or you can... You can come to a local church, you can be a part of a local church, and you can see inside of them is this thing we call the Holy Spirit, and there's, there's unity. And it's just, just this incredible thing, the unity that we can have in, in the Holy Spirit. And I know, um, I know those of you who have been in other churches uh, would, would say that you've never seen conflict in a church before, right? You've never seen that. You, you've never seen a church that lacks unity, right? No? I, I didn't think so. So when I was in college, uh, traveled up and down the, the East Coast and, uh, with, with a group of people and did a lot of teaching at churches and things like that. And uh, in, in doing that, uh, I was really surprised with uh, kind of being in a leadership position in, in that, how many people would, would find it appropriate to come up to me, a guy who just showed up to their church, barely knew them, 
You'd be like, you're not going to believe what he did. You're not going to believe what she did. You know, pastor so-and-so, I don't even like it. I'm like, I just met you 10 minutes ago, and it's just, it's, it's crazy. And, and, and so if we're unified in the spirit, what in the world is going on there? I mean, how, how does that work if we're unified in the spirit? What's happening is, is we're not walking in the spirit as, as Galatians 5.25 puts it. We're to walk in the spirit. Instead, what we're doing is what we call quenching. The, the Holy Spirit. So that brings us to a text that talks about quenching the Holy Spirit. Why don't we go there? Ephesians 4, uh, 29. We'll, we'll start there. This is our first of two texts tonight. Ephesians 4, 29. We'll put it on the screen for you if you need it. Uh, 29 through uh, verse 32. Let's read this. This is, this is good. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. You got that? I mean, there's some powerful powerful principle uh, loaded in there, and I, I'm excited to unpack it. So for the past month, we've been in the series that we're calling One Another. It's been about five weeks in, in the One Another series, and we could, we could keep going and going and going, but um, I, I, I pulled the, the really the top five most applicable to us, and, and I'm excited to uh, unpack this last one tonight. We'll close up with a powerful One Another. Uh, this One Another, as we've been looking every week at one of the One Anothers of Scripture that applies to how we function as a church, this one another is verse 32, forgive one another. We're looking at forgiveness tonight, powerful, powerful stuff, because here's what's going to happen. As we live out the faith with one another, we're going to get it wrong. You know that, right? We're going to mess up. And, and so when that happens, what do we do? We forgive one another. And so this will apply to forgiveness in here amongst us as we grow. I'm not speaking to any particular situation, so don't go, me, you know. Uh, I'm talking in general, as we grow who we become, um, God uh, wants us to be a forgiving people in here and then out there. So let's keep digging. What does verse 29 command? Look at verse 29. It, it commands, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. In other words, don't badmouth each other. Don't be tempted to badmouth each other. It goes on, it says, in, instead, build up edify, right? Build up each other. Stop bad-mouthing each other because when you do that, your words are destructive and, and the call here is to build up. Then go, go on. Here's what he says. Check this out. He says, he says and, and give grace to those who hear. Now, you know what grace is, right? You've heard this, grace and mercy. Mercy is, is not getting what we deserve, right? Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Grace is getting what we, we don't Deserve and so here, what he's what he's not saying is he's not saying the person who has wronged you that you want to talk negatively about, you have malice in your heart, anger, wrath, slander. What he's not saying is that person didn't do anything wrong. He's not saying that. In fact, they they very well may have. I mean, there, there's no doubt people in your lives who have wronged you, who have hurt you. You you maybe feel wrong. Feel like you've been hurt. You maybe feel like you are just deeply wounded. And I know that in this room there are people, no doubt, who have uh, pain that I've never felt before, at, at levels that I've never felt before. There, there's no doubt people in here who have been just cut really, really uh, deep. But yet he says, 
give grace. Whoever that person is, those people are, give them grace. Give them what uh, you don't think they deserve. And, uh, man, I struggle with this, too. Can I just be honest? Because I'm human. I'm not, like, super holy in that regard. I'm human. Um, And it says give grace. Give them what they don't deserve. I mean, I want to give people what they deserve, right? I want justice to, to be served. But here's what he says, verse 30. When you don't, when you don't give grace, you grieve the Holy Spirit. This is a very personal verse for, for that person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. You, you grieve him. You grieve the Holy Spirit because he's given us everything that we need for unity. He's given us everything that we need to forgive. But when you do this, you've opted out. Sam, sorry, I, I, I don't want that. I don't want that. And uh, as we're going to see tonight, opting out is a really bad, bad choice. Verse 31 says, when you opt out, here's what we tend to do. We tend to respond with, this is all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and all malice. And he says this, he says, here's what I want you to do with all that junk in your heart. I want you to put it away. I want you to put it uh, away from you. Uh, He says, put it all away from you. How much of it? All of it. Most of it? All of it, right? We, we, we like to hang on to those pieces, right? And we, we get rid of the visible stuff, but there's still stuff lingering. And, and so now's the time, I think, for us to, to start to really dig into our heart and say, okay, what's, what's in there, right? Tonight, I'm, I want to dig. What's, what's in there? Um, where is it? Do I need to put it uh, away? All of it, all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, uh, malice. Put it away. And, and maybe... I think we're at different places in this, right? Maybe you're full of all of that stuff. I mean, you just know that you're, you're full of it. You have deep feelings of anger. You have a, a deep desire to, uh, man, if you saw that person, just a war of words would break out with them, right? You got that. You, that would happen. Maybe you just you want to slander them. You do slander them. You're like, man, I, I want to let people know how much of a jerk she is, he is, what they've done. You slander their, their name. Maybe there's malice in your heart. That's ill will for somebody. Like, if they got hit by a Mack truck, I wouldn't mind, right? I wouldn't be upset. You know, it's ill will for them. And uh, you're like, I want to give them what I think they deserve. But on the, on the other side, uh, there are some of us in here who right now we're like sitting pretty. We're like, all right, this is good. I'm good. This is good. It's going to be a good, comfortable sermon for me. I, I feel good because none of that stuff really describes me. I'm not slandering them. I don't have ill. I, I'd be upset if anybody got hurt, you know, uh, uh, I, I, I would, wouldn't, wouldn't be upset. I would be upset if there was something wrong that happened to them or they didn't succeed. I, I care for people. Um, I wouldn't badmouth them if I saw them face to face. But in your heart, is there, is there some bitterness going on? Like what would happen if you saw them face to face? You bumped into them at the movie theater, at dinner. What would really happen? What would you feel? What would well up in your heart? When we go out to eat... Um, we, uh, Becky and I always get Diet Coke with lemon because, it, I don't know, the lemon makes us feel classy. So we get Diet Coke with lemon. And, and Luca will be eating. He's our, he's our uh, three-year-old. He'll be eating with his hands. And he's got food all in his hand. He loves lemons. And so Luca, in the middle of the meal, will just go, whoop, and, and stick his hand into the Diet Coke, pull out a lemon, and now he pulls his hand out, and all of his food is floating in our drink, and it's destroyed. But he's got his lemon, and he loves lemons. And, and what Luca likes to do is he'll... He'll put the lemon in his mouth, and he'll eat everything. He even likes the, it's, I don't know, I've got to find out from a doctor if this is bad. But he'll eat the, 
the outside and everything, right? But, but no matter how much he loves it, as soon as that thing goes into his mouth, there's like this, his face tightens up. It's hysterical. His face tightens up and he does like a three-second pause, just a freeze. He goes, <gasps> and he goes back into it, keeps chewing. It's hysterical, right? And I'm wondering, like, if you were to see that person, us who think all those other things don't describe me, if you were to see that person, would there be, like, in your heart this three-second pause, this tightening up of just, and, and that tells you that, you know, there's a, there's a root of bitterness in there that, that, that you need to, to, to deal with. And, and um, it's just this uncontrollable response. And, and I want us to be thinking about what do we do with that? that? Whatever it was that we feel wronged by that person, however big or, or little it may be, there, there's going to be uh, abuse issues. There's going to be abandonment issues. There's going to be friendship conflicts all the way to something minor. They said something with a little bit of a tone, and you don't even, you know, it's probably unjustified, but it's there in your heart. And what do we do with, with that stuff? And I understand that I don't know your specific situation, but I still think, uh, based on this, that I can boldly declare that forgiveness is possible, and forgiveness, no matter how deep, it's necessary. And I'll give you a couple qualifications up front. First qualification is that, listen, I don't know your situation specifically, but I do know this, that, that what I'm going to give you tonight, it, it's not just three easy steps. I'm going to give you three principles, but please know that it's not always just three easy steps. These are principles that will move you forward towards forgiveness. And, 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 and I think they're really, really in, important for you, but it's not always that easy. I get that. I'm not giving you like this conclusive commentary on forgiveness. Know that. The second thing in light of that is, is you need somebody to go alongside of you in, in your issue if it's a really deep issue. We talked about last week the one another, bearing one another's burdens. You need somebody to bear this burden alongside of you. Um, we offer biblical counseling, um, connection groups, friendships. Where you, you need that, somebody to help you really walk this thing out, walk out these principles that we're talking about because there's some deep stuff happening, I'm sure, in this room, and uh, man, people want to bear the burden with you. You got to let them and open up about that. So, with those qualifications, as I said, now I want to give you three, three principles, three forgiveness principles. And uh, we've already seen in verses 29 through 31 what we don't want in our hearts. All that junk. We don't want that negative stuff in our heart. Uh, but now let's get to the positive. That's, that's a good thing. Look at verse 32 again. Verse 32. He says, "Here's the positive, though. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted." Forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. So that relationship, God doesn't want you just to bear with them. Just kind of like, okay, yeah, you know, I can at least stand beside them and not punch them, right? I'm, I'm good there. He says, no, I want you to actually go so far as to be able to be kind with them, tender-hearted towards them and, and forgiving. And he says, just as Christ uh, gave you. And maybe you hear that and you just laugh in your heart. You're like, yeah, that's funny. Impossible. Completely impossible, and, and, and it's like a fairy tale to you, you know, that, that idea of forgiveness and acting that way towards them. There, there are unicorns, there are flying children and fairy dust, and then there is forgiveness of that person. It's just ridiculous, impossible in, in your mind. And here's the place we have to start in light of verse 32. We start with the gospel, right, the, the life-changing good news of, of Jesus. And, and, and with that, it says, verse 32, we are to forgive how? As God in Christ forgave you. So the first principle is this. Principle number one is, is, is you are forgiven, so forgive. 
You're forgiven. That's the gospel. So you've got to forgive. Now, let me, let me, let me kind of elaborate a little more. When I was in elementary school, I remember being in my yard with a friend of mine, and we were uh, playing baseball, and, and then um, we started hitting the ball, right? So he was throwing the ball to me and hitting and back and forth. And I remember one time, I was up to bat, and I hit the ball in a direction I shouldn't have been hitting it. I should have thought and, like, you know, scoped out the surroundings. And sure enough, it happened to me, you know, I hit the ball, and just as it happens to so many kids, and boom, it nailed somebody's windshield, a parked car, my, my neighbor. And you remember these kind of situations as a kid, you do something like that, and you just think it's the end of the world. You remember these? I, I thought it was, life was over when I broke that windshield. I just can't imagine life past that. So I remember going into my, my house and telling my mom, and then my mom actually walking me to the neighbor's house, and I remember going in there with trembling knees and just this, this voice that was just quivering, just mortified, and said something like, I, I was playing baseball, and I hit it, and I broke your windshield, but I'm going to save up, and I'm going to pay for it, I'm going to get you a new one, I totally remember that, and, 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 and there are really three things that could have happened, there's a couple different, few different ways that this could have played out, one, she could have said, yeah, you're going to pay for it. What are you thinking? Like, are you serious? You should have known better. Are you, yeah, you're going to pay for it. You're going to pay for it right now and just make me pay for it right there or at least try to get me to, right? Another thing she, she could have done is said, yeah, you can pay me back, but however long it takes, pay me back. It might take your whole life, right? At least it felt like that for me, but you're going to pay me back. But here's what she did. She said, don't worry about it. Don't worry. Are you serious? We just broke your wind. Don't worry about it. And, and as I think about it, isn't that kind of how God's forgiveness works? I want to break this down a little bit, but, but ultimately all of our sin is, is against him. It may be against other people, but ultimately it's, it's, it's against him. And, 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 and let me ask you this. We sin against him, but does the, does the, the cost of our sin just vanish? At, at forgiveness, when when I, when I broke that windshield, and she said it's cool, did did the cost just go away? Well, it still cost somebody something, and it, and it cost her something. She paid the bill. It, it cost something, and, and and listen, sin is forgiven, but it, it's still there. So when you forgive somebody, there, there's still some cost there. And and I didn't pay the bill. My mom didn't pay the bill. Uh, my buddy didn't pay the bill. Someone had to pick it up, and it was, it was her, the very person who I sinned against, right? And that's really how it works with God. We, we ultimately sin against him, and yet he absorbs the debt, right? He takes it on, and that's the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus. He took on the debt so that we don't have to pay the debt. The one who is offended takes on the, the consequence, and he dies on the cross. So that's what God has done for us. And so because we're forgiven, we are to forgive, but please understand this. This idea here, just so simple, is, is not just kind of a secondary little issue in our faith. It's not like, you know what, Christians, it would be a good idea to, you should get around to this, you know, since you're forgiven, you should probably get around to it, and yeah, you know, it'd be a good idea to forgive. It's not this secondary issue. It's, it's, you're in the game. Do you understand that you're in the game because you were forgiven? So how can you not forgive? Do you get that? It's, it's huge. It's, it's tremendous. How can you not? But um, some of you, you've already heard this sermon before. And you're like, all right, yeah, that's good. Check. 
God forgave me, therefore I will forgive others. And, and when you hear that, it just sounds so trite to you. You're like, yeah, all right, I've heard, I've heard that before. What would Jesus do? I remember the bracelet in the 90s, you know. I, I get that. But you just want to scream, I'm not God, okay? I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not God. I've been deeply hurt, and I want justice. And you're just, man, I can't do that. I want justice. Guess what? God wants justice too. You believe that? God, God wants justice. If God is God, then he's perfect. He's perfectly loving. He's perfectly gracious, perfectly merciful, and he's also perfectly just. I mean, he is perfectly just, and so justice will be served, but it's just not on you. And so I guess the problem that, that I, I have with, with, I guess, the standard message sermon on forgiveness is, is that they often stop right there. You're forgiven, so forgive, period. Just, just do it. And, and, and I don't know about you, but that just doesn't satisfy. I don't know. Does that satisfy? It kind of leaves me like, okay, is it really that, that easy? Because if I forgive, just like God forgave, then I just have to absorb the debt. All the pain, I just, you just absorb it, right? And I just want to be clear on something. Unlike the windshield story, which is supposed to be an illustration of, of God and his forgiveness, we're, we're not called to absorb the debt. God is called to absorb the debt. And so biblical forgiveness is, is really a heart condition that, that, that says, I'm, I'm going to forgive you and I'm not going to hold you accountable to the debt. I'm not, I'm not going to hold you accountable to all the hurt. That, that, that you have caused me. But let me tell you something. I'm also not going to carry it myself for the rest of my life. I'm not going to absorb it, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to hand it over to God. So where, whereas the buck stops with God, it, it doesn't stop with me. It doesn't stop with you. you. You don't just absorb the debt forever. You absorb the debt for a moment. You get a hit. You get a kick in the gut. It, it hurts, right? But then you don't have to live with that forever. You get to hand that off to, to, to God who takes it on and who settles it, which really brings us to our, our next forgiveness principle, and that is that, that you're not forfeiting justice. You're appealing to a better judge. You get that? When you forgive, you're not forfeiting justice. You're, you're appealing to a better judge. And, and so I want to I look at another passage tonight, and it'll guide our, our, this principle in the next one. Romans 12, flip to your left. Romans 12, 17 through 19. 8-12 in the, the church Bible. Romans 12, um, 17 through 19. And, and listen to, to what is said here. It says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So, let's start from the beginning there, 17. Repay no one evil for evil. So, the advantage that, that I have as a pastor and other pastors, I guess, have is we went to seminary, and so we were able to, you know, study the, the original languages of the Bible, you know, we get in English, but we kind of get to know the original language, and we learn the, like, the deep nuances of, of uh, the, the words and, and whatnot, and, uh, 
as I was studying, preparing for this week, and, and going through um, 1217, where it says, repay no one evil for evil, when, when I got to the word uh, for no one, uh, looking at all the layers of meaning, you know what it, it means? No one. No one. I'm like, repay no one. No one. It doesn't matter how great the offense was. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how low the blow was. It doesn't matter how many people they hurt. It doesn't matter how many times they've done it before. No one. Repay no one evil for evil. Rather, do what is honorable. Live peaceably with all, not avenging yourself, but leaving it to God. And so, again, we're talking about a heart condition. Where you finally say, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to try to make this right myself and justify this and make it happen appropriately as I think it should go. But I'm going to let God be God. I'm going to let him do his thing and, and let him do it however he sees fit. I'm going to trust in verses like Isaiah 55, 9, where, where he says, as, as high as the heavens are from the earth, so my ways are are." are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts like God says you don't get it there's a there's a big expanse here but you got to trust me I got this this justice thing I've got it and we have to trust trust that so when you forgive you're not forfeiting justice but you're appealing to a better judge and therefore you're guaranteeing justice so stop trying to play judge appeal to a higher court now, final principle, it's a life-changing one, and uh, I got the wording of this principle from another pastor, um, and so it's good. I didn't want to try to change it. It was just too good, the wording, uh, but I'll start with a ridiculous example. Uh, my, my, my parents came up from Georgia uh, about a month ago to see our newborn baby, and uh, my mom, you know, um, she came with her laptop, and um, she uh, was showing Isaiah, our four-year-old. Uh, one of these computer games that, that she has. It's funny that she's, show, she's teaching my kid computer games and not me. You know, I guess the tables turn. It's kind of funny. And, uh, and, and so th- this game was like, it was a polar bear sports game, you know. And so it was about a polar bear who plays all these different sports, you know, and so from tennis to, to bowling to pool to, uh, you know, all these different games, uh, golf. And, 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 and when you start the game, you have the option of playing whatever one of those sports you want to play uh, in, in two different ways. You could either play uh, game mode or you could play polar bear mode. And, and understand that everything, in all, both modes, everything's, you know, polar bear-ish, you know, icebergs and all kinds of stuff, you know, frozen waters and, and instead of sand traps, it's got like snowballs and stuff, you know, in the golf course. And uh, so, yeah, you can play game mode or you can play polar bear mode. Now, now game mode, you are the polar bear holding whatever you know, tool you need to use. So if you're golfing, you're, hold, you're the polar bear holding the golf club. If you're playing pool, you're the, you know, the, you're the polar bear holding the, the, the stick. If you're uh, playing tennis, you're, you're the polar bear holding the racket. But then if you want to play polar bear mode, I told you this was ridiculous. If you want to play polar bear mode, the polar bear actually becomes the ball, right? You curls up and becomes the ball in polar bear uh, mode. And, and listen, I know it's just a game, but as I'm thinking about, like, the, the concept here, like, that doesn't make any sense. That, that just doesn't, doesn't work because here's the thing. Like, as you're trying to score points for the polar bear team, with every attempt, 
you're hurting yourself. You know what I mean? Like every attempt to score points for your team, you're, you're hurting yourself. And so in order to, to play tennis, you've got to whack the polar bear with your racket, right? If, if, if you want to play golf, you've got to beat the polar bear with a, a club. If you want to play pool, you've got to poke the polar bear with a stick and then smash him head on into, into all these balls. And I just, I'm like, man, this is... Do they think through these things? They're just trying to make it cute. Like this, this the, you know, the, the, the storyline here doesn't really work. You know what I mean? I mean, as I'm thinking, I'm like, why would anybody choose bear mode? And, and, and on the same lines, it's ridiculous. But why would anybody choose unforgiveness mode in life? Like why would you walk around life with, with unforgiveness? Because what you're doing is you're choosing to play a game that's only hurting yourself. You're only hurting yourself. Uh, you, you're trying to win but you're beating yourself up in, in the process. It really is a lose-lose for you. Like, if, if, if you're playing polar bear golf, for example, and you're the golf ball as a polar bear, and, and you, you know, don't get to the green, you land, like, out, out in the woods, you hit a tree, that stinks, right? But, but if, you, if you get on the green, maybe that's a little bit of consolation, like, all right, I'm doing well here. I, uh, I, I got to the green, but still fell from 50 feet in the air and landed and smashed into the ground. I mean, what's, what's good about that? And, and see, with, with unforgiveness and, and bitterness and wrath and anger and slander and, and malice, maybe you feel like when you're doing those things, you're slandering them, you're trying to badmouth them, you've just got this grudge against them. Maybe you feel like you're kind of winning points for yourself every single time. I'm getting points from like, I'm going to go tell them off. And then I'm going to go tell somebody else about how I told them off. And you always make it sound perfect when you tell somebody else. I said this, 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 and this. And, and you think you're, you're getting points for yourself. You're justifying yourself. You're, you're avenging yourself. I want them to pay. And, and you might win, but you really lose because you're beat up. Blood pressure's through the roof. You're all anxious. You're all upset. And you leave really hurting even more. And so unforgiveness really is just awful ridiculous game that, that we play. And the longer you play it, the, the more unnecessary pain you allow yourself to go through. And so our, our really our, our final principle is, is this. When you forgive, you're, you're releasing a prisoner only to find out that the prisoner was you. When you forgive somebody, you release a prisoner and all along that prisoner was, was you. Because unforgiveness is like a prison that you lock yourself in and and while they're out living their life, you're locked in this prison over them. You're kind of in your own little bitter cage. And, and some of you, you've been maybe trapped in unforgiveness towards this person for years. Maybe you've been avoiding them. Maybe you've been bitter. Maybe you've stayed up at night. Maybe you just had this thing that stops you and other uh, attempts to grow spiritually. And it's just eating you up inside. And and usually they're not feeling all of that junk that you're feeling. They just moved on. And so you lose. <laughs> you're trying to win, but you lose. And so release them of the debt uh, that you think they owe you and give grace. Give them what they don't deserve. And, and God calls you to give grace for a reason. <laughs> because that's what he did, but because he also knows that that's how you are to be free. Be free. John 836, Jesus says, the Son has set you free. You will be free indeed. And so, as a Christian, you're free. But a lot of times, we like to go back. As a dog returned to its vomit, the Bible says. We like to go back and say, lock me up, please. 
I'm free, but I kind of want to, and we hang on to this junk, and it's just, it's just trapping us. And so we do our part. Verse 18, here's what it says. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. That's a really good verse to memorize. Why don't you write that down, memorize that one. You pull that one up often. It's a principle that, that, that you do what you can. As far as it depends on you, I'm not going to be in a, in, a, in a bad relationship with that person. It's not, it's not on me. You do your, your part. So I ask you this. What step do you need to take tonight? What, what, what do you need to leave committed to, to doing? Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's a prayer. Maybe it's a confession to, to somebody or to God. You tell your friend, listen, I've been, uh, I've been bitter about this. I don't even think you know it. Maybe you need to do that. Maybe you need to Maybe it's a little bit of a process of forgiveness. You need to come before the Lord, and I know it might not be overnight, but you've got to work through it with somebody. Um, help them, ask them to bear the burden alongside of you. See, it's, it's both an action and an attitude. I think a lot of times we, we sit around and say, well, when I feel forgiveness, then I'll do it. But a lot of times it's the action and then the attitude comes. You know what I mean? Like I remember... When I was younger, trying to drink coffee, I'm like, eh, and, and then I forced myself to have it, and suddenly now I'm like the guy, you know, sitting at Starbucks, drinking coffee on my laptop, the attitude is there now, but it started with, got to do this, right, it's an action, it's an action that, that will bring you to this place of, man, it's in your heart, it's, it's an attitude, and, and it says, live peaceably with all, please understand that every God gives us is ultimately going to mean our, our own good. You understand that, right? That he says, I want you to forgive because it means freedom for you. And so this is a powerful, powerful one another. And, and really, just like all of our other one another's, this one, really, every time you practice it, it communicates the gospel. You think through all of our other one another's. You think about love. That communicates the gospel when you love people the way Christ loved you. Uh, encouragement. When you encourage the way Christ did, you're communicating the gospel. When you're hospitable, Jesus took us in. He calls us to be a part of his, his family. When you're bearing burdens, Jesus bore our burden on the cross. And, and now when you forgive, just as Christ forgave you, you communicate the gospel. And so I want, you to, I want you to hear this. I want you to internalize. And I just pray that God would use this in your life so that you don't walk around in bitterness, that you don't walk around in chains. Can we pray? Father, we, Lord, we love you, and, and we just want to, we want to honor you. But Lord, I think sometimes we, we, we just, we want to honor you in every way, but when it calls me to do something that's uncomfortable, or, or, or when it calls me to do something that I think I'm justified in doing, Lord, I pray that we would look first to your scripture and do what your scripture calls us to do and trust that you have our best in mind. And God, I pray that we would all in this room experience your best for us as we forgive, that we would be released from a prison of unforgiveness, and that we would communicate the gospel as we do it. People would say, why, why would you ever get over this. I, I wronged you. You'd say, well, Jesus forgave me and my sins are an offense. I pray
pray that that would be our story. Pray that we would be a forgiving, forgiving people. We're going to get it wrong. Help us to forgive along the way. Help me to forgive along the way. Show us, as David prayed, show us if there is any wicked way in us. If there's any root of bitterness in our heart, big or small, Lord, show us. Pray these things.